Right, so this is episode 34. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be good this week to, following on from last week's episode, really, talking to Lee Gale, which I absolutely loved, um, obviously, listening back to it. Uh, we had a really great chat, especially as two people who've not spoken such a long time and shared kind of a similar experience, do you know what I mean, in a, in a similar industry, and obviously, as well as being from the same place, do you know what I mean, in Leeds. Um, it was really, really nice to... To, to chat to him actually and see a few parallels and stuff but I think most of all that chat got me got me thinking a lot about Japan really and um, I don't know the fact we hadn't really talked about or sort of I haven't really talked about it from my point of view um, and I really like hearing Lee's stories from Japan as well and how, how he felt about the place how the long cut felt about the place um, and obviously you know when we have the other lads on as well we can we can talk about it as a band but yeah I just thought it'd be fun to talk more about that and relive some of those memories in my own head as well um but yeah so this week obviously we just got pete fletcher on how are you doing pete doing well man how's it going yeah not bad not bad at all um we had a good laugh the other night was it even last night at the patron party (laughs) it was last night wasn't it (laughs) it was yeah that was uh that was a lot of fun to be fair yeah, that was good. Having uh, meeting all the patrons, putting uh, faces to names uh, on the Twitters. And then uh, also I thought that was uh, there was a good band discussion about uh, different songs people would love to see on a on a dream set list for for <laughs> Temple Newsom, which I actually found. Yeah, it was inspiring. I mean, Come What May came up a lot and Rain Dance <laughs> and The Price, which, you know, of course, is going to be more difficult. But it's it was a fun discussion to have with the group. Oh yeah, and it, like you say, it, it it is nice putting names to faces, especially with people who've been, you know, sort of contributing to my tweets or posts or whatever you call them since since the early days. It's been really nice, not only putting names to faces with those people, but actually, you know, getting to know them as well. Um, I mean, the live streams in themselves, in the chat, you sort of get to know a bit more of people's personalities, but obviously then sort of face-to-face on a Zoom. Um, yeah, it, it's been great getting to know the patrons. And, and I, I, I probably don't say it enough, really, but I can't thank all my patrons enough for for the support that they give. Um, and as I've, as I've said on Twitter anyway, that it's fueling so much creativity right now and it's just such an honour to, you know, to, to have the support of such a fantastic community, which is something that, I did say on Twitter but something that I wanted to say again as well so you know an extra special thank you to everyone who is contributing to the podcast and thus allowing me to to create and uh, make this album that I'm making and the other one do you know what I mean so um massive thanks again to the patrons but yeah uh, that was a lot of fun and a lot of fun discussions and me getting very hot under the collar about <laughs> Temple News and set lists <laughs> yeah well, you know, I also t- found it interesting that some folks said, uh, you know, they almost didn't want to hear it. They want it to be a surprise. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I kind of get that. You know, you, you, you wouldn't want to know the whole set list. But boy, it is it is a great opportunity to at least uh, voice requests. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, some people, it's a be all and end all. And then others, like you say, just like, oh, it's what it is. It's it's a set list. I'm, you know, I'm coming to see you yeah. guys, whatever you play. Um, but, I, you know, as I mean, we, we do talk about it quite a lot on this podcast, but it, it's something that I definitely myself sort of um fret fret over a bit you know what i mean in terms of try to get it right you know what i mean but you're never going to please everyone on that front um, yeah for sure so yeah last week was really cool uh meeting lee and talking to lee about his experiences uh with with uh touring and with his band uh i i found it fascinating how many parallels there were uh in some of his experiences and some of your experiences obviously with japan but also as a band so like i know that they i don't think they peaked as high as the music in terms of you know 
record sales or whatever, but just from the experiences itself, I, uh, I found the parallels to be quite interesting. Even some of the creative part, like, you know, them writing a song, um, you know, last minute that ended up being one of their favorite on the album, mm-hmm. much like yourself on the second album and uh, some of their experiences with press in, yeah. in Japan and stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought it would be interesting if we maybe dug a little deeper into the, 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 the Japan uh, touring portion of, of this whole experience. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean, I think I said it in, in the episode last week, but I think for me, in terms of everything that we did as part of the music, I think having the privilege to to go to Japan as many times as we did and be as welcomed as we were, because, you know, I, I, it's one thing going to Japan just sort of off your own bat and experience it, experiencing it, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, in, in the capacity that we, we went, being, you know, being looked after to the degree that we were and having the fan base out there um that just made the whole experience even more uh, absolutely incredible but yeah i certainly consider everything we did in japan as a, a, an, a, an absolute privilege and something that um you know not a lot of people get the opportunity to do i mean going to japan anyway let alone you know yeah. co- connecting so much with with that group of, of people do you know what i mean which always always incredibly special for us and you know highlighted first and foremost i think by the experience that we talked about with tim as well um our first time at fuji and just that first time in japan in general really was it was just massively eye-opening um and as you say it's very interesting to hear i mean someone from my own village, you know what I mean? From Kipax, you know, right. someone who's been and uh, had a very similar experience. And, and like you say, maybe they didn't sort of hit the heights we did or whatever, if you want to look at it like that. But as I say, for me, it, it, as a band, if you're getting the opportun- opportunity to go to Japan, then you've made it, you know what I mean? That's, hmm. for, for me, being part of a band, that's one of the great thing, great sort of um, privileges and experiences um, you can have. Uh, and it, it doesn't just... Uh, it's not just limited to, it's hard to describe really, but one type of experience, if you know what I mean. It was all the different things we did over there, um, just so enlightening, do you know what I mean? And eye-opening, the first time we were there, just incredibly eye-opening, really. Um, and just and culturally and not just that, but in terms of reaction to us as a band. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we kind of got used to, um, well, I say got used to the only experience we'd had was in the UK where we would get, we were creating a groundswell, don't get me wrong, but it's not like we'd get recognized. Do you know what I mean? Other than, mm. other than outside the venue we were playing at, obviously you, you kind of get recognized there, but it's like, I don't know. People are a lot more, it's hard to describe really, but, people are a bit more too cool for school i think do you know what i mean in the uk <laughs> right whereas i think in japan the people are just so much more willing to express themselves do you know what i mean mm. and so like the the reaction that we get by fans it was was always something that was incredible um yeah I, that was always something i was super curious about was like what what do you think it is about japan in general that there was so much success for the music whereas it was not as high in the uk like that's always you know bewildered me like how can a band be so popular in one place and less popular in another place like i, I i've always struggled to understand that well i f- I've had the exact same question in my mind. I mean, obviously, I never questioned it at the time. We just kind of rode with it. But I think for me, and I think it's something, again, I touched about a little last week, but 
I think it's about how um, your music or how music resonates with um, a group of people. Do you know what I mean? With a society, mm. with a with a culture. I think that has a hell of a lot to do with it, especially in Japan. And one thing that I sort of um, deduced, for lack of a better word, really, is I think for for us especially, it was the combination of everything that I think you know people everyone who loves us loves us for do you know what i mean the combination of the of rob soaring uh, euphoric epic voice with with the beats and everything and the driving bass lines and and my guitarist do you know what i mean i think that that was a especially at that, especially at that time in music um i think it was kind of a, a perfect our music was kind of like a, a perfect storm which connected really really well in japan because like you say, I mean, we got radio play over here and stuff like that. Yeah, we did yeah. and bits of TV and stuff, but nothing like in Japan, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I suppose it's difficult because you could, I mean, one thing I did say last week talking to Lee was obviously whenever a band uh, goes to Japan, um, you want to cram as much stuff into that time as possible in terms of exposure, do you know what I mean? Press, gigs, um, yeah. signing, uh, in-store signings, all those sorts of things. So I guess it can appear uh, more condensed and more concentrated, but it was always so, it's just always such a whirlwind was Japan. Like always just, um, not in, you know, not in a bad way. It was just always really manic you know, there was like, I mean, the days off are, are one thing and we could talk about those, but in terms of like a, like a, a work schedule. And I think the, the biggest difference in Japan is you don't tour by bus. Do you know what I mean? So as a result of which you, you never really have that base. And I think, mm. I think I've talked about that in previous ones, yeah. Ta- talking about the fact that your, your bus becomes your home. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's important to have that anchor. And in Japan, that's replaced by um, you know ho- lot hotels, obviously, and a lot of the time only for one night. When and then you're on planes or on the bullet train going to the next city, um, and then all the equipment and stuff follows behind in in trucks. It, it, it's it's a, a much more non-stop experience is Japan as a whole. Um, you know, like you never really get a lot of sleep when you. When we <laughs> yeah. when we were touring over there, I mean, primarily just because your body clock so messed up. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. That was a hugely eye opening, especially at eighteen or however old we were. I think we were eighteen the first time we went there. Um, and again, talking to Lee about it made me reminisce massively about even just like the the drive, you know, getting picked up early in the morning and driving down to Heathrow and then the anticipation of the flight and stuff. And that's the weird thing as well. Like back then. I wasn't even really that bothered about flying unless it was just like eclipsed by the, the sort of excitement of fucking hell, we're off to Japan. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like 18 year old kids. Absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. That had to be crazy. Oh yeah. Obviously it was. Um, and landing, I mean the flight itself, whatever, but like actually landing there and getting out of the plane into that climate. I mean, everyone knows that, uh, you know, where you, you get off the plane, the doors open and you walk out, you're like, fucking hell, it's fucking hot here. <laughs> Not only is it hot, I'm like soaking instantly, man. You know, like humidity is about 3,000%. Yeah. Oh man, that sort of, that catches you by surprise when you're not used to it as a kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you're just into, you're into Narita Airport and, you know, even that is like, you know, you know you're somewhere different. You know, even when you're just in the airport and like everyone is so polite in Japan. That's like the the overriding thing that 
like I think, well, I certainly, I th- certainly all of us will have taken away from the, the myriad of times we were there is just how polite people are. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong. Some of the some of the older generations um, are polite, but stare at you. Do you know? I mean, especially as a especially as a six foot three Westerner in some of the places where you've been, <laughs> but never in like a, never in a bad way. Just in a you know, um, but oh, you know, just such a friendly, um, such a friendly bunch of people, and even down to like everyone meeting us at the airport in terms of the you know the um smash the people from smash which are the production company that look after us over there and representatives from the record company and things like that we were just Hmm, that's pretty cool yeah man we were just treated so well um and i'm pretty sure the very first time we went was it i try to remember if like fuji was literally the first i think it was but did we do something before fuji or did we go to tokyo and then up to fuji i think that's what we did because i remember getting straight on the bullet train we got to narita um, and then got on the bullet train into Tokyo, um, and then it was straight to the record company, I think, and to start that sort of absolute snowball because that was something that none of us were ready for. Certainly, yeah. I wasn't. And again, you know, I know I keep saying it, but we touched on it last week. The like the 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 press schedules. Honestly, I, we've never done out like it. I mean, you, you know, you might do one or two interviews in a day or something like that when you're, you're in the UK, uh, sat outside a venue waiting to go on stage. You might have a couple of phone interviews, but, you know, that was... We were just so... Another level. <laughs> absolutely, man. We were just so popular over there. We were so hot at the time, do you know what I mean? Like, just, like, days and days and days of, like, press... And like, honestly, like there's such a, an amazing work ethic as well in Japan, like on the whole, just a relentless work ethic, which is just like awe inspiring. Um, but as a result of which, like, you know, you can get, you can get to moments where you're all kind of looking at each other going, oh, bloody knacker dear, do you know what I mean? Are we going to stop soon? And they're like, right, well, you know, we'll stop at eight o'clock tonight. And you're like, eight o'clock. Wow. Um, but that's the thing, you know, you can, I remember at the time, being a bit like well i've had enough of this do you know what i mean after fourth or fifth interview yeah. you're like i've had enough of this but you know looking back on it now you're just like well it's just a ridiculous attitude but yeah i mean like i remember as well the because we stayed in the capital tokyo the first time and it was just up the road from the record company and like i've got such vivid memories of that walk um which we did quite a lot but this is like the first time we were there and like the cicadas or cicadas, however you want to pronounce, uh, pronounce it, but coming out of the hotel and there's just that deafening noise and you're like, what the fuck is that noise? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, uh, cicadas uh, or cicadas. Uh, and then you realise that every tree is just absolutely alive with these things. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Apps just, just millions of them. And, you know, they have an 18-year... Um, incubation cycle don't the underground or whatever and they, so they come out after 18 years and suddenly they're bloody everywhere but that was all that was like that's always a permanent soundtrack to summer in japan is just cicadas everywhere in all the trees uh yeah it was the first time we went to kyoto and things like that and that we went to that um proper tea ceremony as well which was like honestly that was in such a beautiful place absolutely incredible i think i put some pictures on twitter of that um mm. but yeah uh it's honestly like one of the only places i've ever been where it's really felt like another another world if you know what i mean um a lot of other places you can go yeah there's changes in architecture and stuff like that but japan really it, it really does feel like another world in in a good way yeah. like i say 
that's another thing. Like if you guys would have done this, you know, nowadays, there would have been so much more, uh, you know, with everybody having a camera phone with, you know, 4K cameras on it, you know, like there would have been so much more like vivid evidence, you know, video photographs and all that stuff than mm. on Instagram. Well, <laughs> would have been a- yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, you don't do it nowadays, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, certainly from what I know, I'd, the, the the music industry as a whole and the the money in it has shrunk to a degree that I don't think many labels have the budget to to sort of tour Japan. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think we were one of the last um, international bands to sort of get that kind of support over there. And you know, I touched on it again the fact that they've got a big love of English music over there, and I think you know that played into our favour as well in terms of connecting. But I'm sure there were a couple of years where we were like one of the biggest selling international international artists out selling hmm. some, you know, ridiculously big bands in the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you're absolutely right about the camera phones and stuff. Although there is, as I said, there is that properly camcorder shot footage of quite a few gigs that Phil and Jen have got. But yeah, I mean, it was it was the first time we went to Japan that I ever saw a bloody camera phone. Um <laughs> And it, you know, they were, it, it was me and Tim, I don't know if I've talked about this, me and Tim, it was on a day off, first time we were there, and me and Tim went to the uh, Osaka Aquarium, which was out of this world. Uh, got a whale shark there, for, for goodness sake, do you know what I mean? Absolutely enormous tank. Um, but we we were sort of milling around there, and there were these school kids, and they had the phones out, and I don't know if we'd even got cameras. Had we got still cameras at that point? I'm not sure, but I just remember noticing that they were filming, and I was just like, fucking hmm. hell, they're filming? And they were like, oh, bloody hell, they've got camcorders on the phone. I mean, it sounds mad, doesn't it, really? That were only... Yeah, it does, but that's what it was in the early 2000s, right? Yeah, like, that exactly. Was brand new. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where, which, what's the big technology district? Is it Akihabara? I think it's Akihabara. And, um, like, you go down there, and it was just all these fucking camera phones and stuff. And, I mean, that's the thing about Japan, obviously. The technology over there is fucking insane. So uh, you go down, like, the, the, some of the gadget streets, like Akihabara, and it's just... Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, we got PSPs there, didn't we? I think I've said that before. Sorry if I'm saying a lot of this shit again, but uh, yeah, I think we, <laughs> I, uh, we got PSPs before anyone else got them and stuff um, because someone from Label got us them. Nice. I went to Hong Kong once for a trade show and I had to speak at you know some uh, some tech conference. And so there were some parallels, obviously on a smaller scale, but being in a situation where you've got this you know, condensed schedule of time over mm. there, uh, the travel, the, the, the jet lag, the having to be on stage at certain times and talk and just wanting to get back to the hotel because you're just jet lagged and exhausted. So all that's very similar. Another similar, but for me, I can't stand seafood. So over there, I was like, everything was fish, seafood mm. and rice. Right. Even for breakfast, they were yeah, having yeah, rice. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, I just want some Mackies or something. But uh, <laughs> that was that was a struggle for me. But the tech stuff was interesting because in Hong Kong, it was hilarious. Like they were selling, you know, like brand new iPhones and MacBook Pros like yeah. at just a fraction of the price because mm. that's where they're, a lot of that stuff, the tech they produce over there mm. and then they sell like a knockoff version of it, uh, you know, for pennies on the dollar, which, yeah not a good plan to buy stuff that's not you know authentic from the the vendor but you can definitely get your share of that in in hong kong well i mean obviously like over there it's insane isn't it the sort of the technology there and how like how cheap you can get it without doubt certainly over that over that way but yeah i mean you're touching on jet lag that's one of the key things about japan and it's like it's it's got different levels to it as well um 
And I know I've probably referenced this again, but Lost in Translation with Bill Murray. I remember watching that and just being like, that that film perfectly encapsulates what yeah. sort of an alien world jet lag puts you in. But the biggest thing about jet lag for me is it is a fear of missing out. And especially that was, I mean, that's that's something you've got to consider, especially that first trip, which was 2001, I think, or maybe two. I think it was one, was it? Anyway, two, maybe. So, you know, our phones didn't work over there at that time. Do you know what I mean? Our mobiles didn't work. Right. So yeah. once you're over there and you're in the hotel and you're in your rooms, you're obviously you can talk room to room. But if someone kind of decides to go out and, you know, once they're out, they're gone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you've, right, yeah. you've, you've got no way. Of I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal though. So, and the problem is for me, whenever I were there, whenever I were in my room, I was like, oh my God, like you look at your bed and you're like, oh shit, no, don't, don't look at your bed. Cause if you lay down on it, <laughs> that is it. You'll sleep for fucking 30 hours or something like that. Um, and you've just got this internal battle with yourself where you're like, well, I can't sleep during day anyway, because that'll mess me up even more if you try to yeah. sleep at night. Um, and not only that, you'll suddenly wake up at some bizarre fucking time, really, really confused about what bloody country you're in, what planet you're on, all that kind of shit. You know what it's like when oh, you yeah. fall asleep during day. The worst ones where you fall asleep during day and it's light and like in the winter or something, and then you wake up at like five in the evening and it's dark and you're like, oh my God, what kind of trippy <laughs> shit is this? What day is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, you, you risk you, you risk waking up and going, oh, bloody hell, where is everyone? And, you know, because like I say, no one can call you. You just kind of you just kind of stuck there in your own limbo, and that was. Um, and it's funny you talk about breakfast as well. I mean, the the hotels we stayed in were always absolutely amazing. So, and that that became like my jet lag, like carrot on the end of a stick. Did breakfast? Do you know what I mean? When you've been when you you've fucking you've been awake since two, and you've tried to get to sleep since two, and it's like quarter to five. You're like, oh well in fucking an hour and 15 minutes i can go get breakfast do you know what i mean so you're like that'll fucking keep me going and you know like they sort of well again at the hotel we were in it literally had everything you go right up to mm. top top floor um really sort of nice place and um you get everything you know there's all the sort of traditional stuff if you want that do you know what i mean the rice and fish and that sort of base but then there's just you know the full-on western do you know what i mean like Bacon, sausage, bloody nice. scrambled eggs, fries, ketchup, just absolutely everything. And I, I don't know, I always seem to get a mad appetite whenever I were in Japan, like absolutely insane. And yeah, I just buy like some sort of ravenous weirdo at breakfast, mate. <laughs> completely like not slept all night, just sat, sat there mega wide-eyed people thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Man? First one to the buffet in the corner, just... <laughs> tearing it apart <laughs> oh yeah absolutely um <laughs> did you ever do any uh writing while you were there like i know you didn't have your phones I, i'm always curious like if that was like a time of like oh i'm inspired while i'm here or was there any did you guys ever did you ever find any inspiration that maybe found its way to a song or, or no, well I'd, 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 well in terms of us writing i don't know how much we've talked about that we never really wrote on the road do you know what i mean okay. we we did stuff in sound checks and you might do five sound checks and play an idea and form it over those five sound checks and they mm. might be in totally different countries all you know all the different times you've played it um, but yeah i think one thing for us was whenever we were on that sort of buzz and having that much fun it i don't know it we never we never turned that into an opportunity to 
to jam, really. But, I mean, let's face it, we couldn't. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, you'd need everything... You need all gear fully set up. So, you, you know, yeah. when it's like fucking 11, 12 at night and you're running around some hotel, sack it out of your mind. Do you know what I mean? You, the last thought is, oh, fuck, I'm going to sit down and riff my brains out here. <laughs> you know, we ended up, oh, God, we did all sorts of stuff over there. Absolutely, you know, uh, just literally some of the best memories of my life. Um, every time we were there, there was somewhat, there was somewhat more um, interesting and different, new, meeting new people, tons of new people, because that really is the best way to know any city, isn't it really, when you've got uh, uh, someone who really knows a place and is really well connected showing you around. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's absolutely the best way to see anywhere. Yeah, I've only heard a few of the stories so far on, on these podcasts, but yeah, I still I still remember when Rob was explaining how he uh, found himself in a cover, a Nirvana cover band. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that was at fuji well i mean fuji is just a, a completely different animal altogether i mean going to japan <laughs> is one thing but then there's going to fuji just two totally different things but uh, uh, fuji just certainly encapsulate all that all the best bits about japanese culture and society i think is perfectly wrapped up in fuji and it's a great it's a great advertisement to the rest of the world for um how a festival can and should be run because I don't know how much I've talked about festivals in this country and how the majority of are run by fucking, well, I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, you know, you don't get treated great unless you're a headline act at festivals in this mm. country. Whereas in Japan, everyone's just so nice and so chilled. It's just, a, it's an entirely different festival is, is Fuji. Um, and the Summer is Sonic Fuji is still a thing? Do they still do it? Yeah, I mean, I think they've been doing... Uh, obviously a massively scaled back online sort of food you experience things uh, i think but obviously once things have fully opened up then yeah that'll be there's no way you know it's the biggest it's the biggest fest it's there glastonbury basically um, wow, okay they have summer sonic as well but summer sonic's much more in a city and it's much more i don't know how you describe it corporate really like fuji really does feel like glastonbury it's sort of like it's got such a again it's hard to put your finger on really without sounding pretentious or whatever but it's got such a free and easy vibe uh summer sonic much more corporate like i say much more what you'd expect from a festival uh, and it's in a city whereas um fuji's at a ski resort do you know what i mean it's at naiba ski resort which is a really beautiful place in itself but yeah such a and and again i suppose like glastonbury it's not necessarily just going to experience the axe at fuji do you know what I mean? It's there's so much other stuff going on there, um, in so many other different fields. Do you know what I mean? All just sort of all all kinds of incredibly creative stuff. You know, I remember walking down one of the boardwalks there because there's some incredible sort of really magical woods that you walk through, and there's all these boardwalks that lead you through. Uh, and there was like a little bit of a clearing, and there was this guy just sat playing a guitar with a bit of a crowd around him. And I just, I just remember stopping and watching this guy just being, like, "Who the fuck is this guy, man?" Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> He was doing stuff with a guitar I've never seen in my life. Still to this day, I've never seen anyone else do it the way he was playing that guitar and the, um, you know, the tune, the, the fucking songs he was coming out with and stuff. And I got that into it, but it were a case of the thing. The thing for any of us for there is if you stand still too long, you end up getting accosted. Do you know what I mean? Which is never. <laughs> Never a problem, do you know what I mean? It's not like over here where you, there might be a time when, you know, if you got accosted by a lot of people, you'd be like, oh, shit, do you know what I mean? Like, where, you know, I'm not saying that you don't always feel safe, but 
I, well, I don't know. Like everyone knows what it's like, man. Do you know what I mean? You're out, you're out back of a venue, and there's loads of people wanting to meet you and shake your hands. There's always one wanker who tries to say something clever. Isn't there? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Be it through fucking alcohol or whatever, or you know, just because oh, yeah. they're just because they're a twat. Do you know what I mean? There are those people out there who just yeah, go, yeah. "All right, mate," and say something, and you're just like. What the hell? <laughs> it's difficult. I mean, I could probably sit here and think of examples if I sat here for a while, but there's certainly <laughs> been some corkers over days. But, you know, that's something that you're never going to get in Japan. You know, you could you could have a queue, you could have a group of 50 people form around you and every one of them would just be absolutely thrilled to have met you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like, I don't, I don't care who you are. Um, you know, like that, it does something. It does something to you that not not in like in an arrogant or egotistical way. It just it puts you in touch with, on some sort of level with how much joy you're bringing someone through something that you kind of um, do for. I don't know your own your own fun, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. You know, like here we are, just making these songs in a church hall, and you know people love them, and then it it does something to people that far away on the other side of the world. Um, that was, well, I don't think that's something that we really thought too much about at that age. And I think that's the whole point really is we didn't really think, we didn't really think too much about any of it because I mean, let's face it, certainly me now, if I, I guess it's kind of that hindsight in it. If, if I, if I knew then what I know now, um, not that, uh, not that I ever took it for granted, but I don't know. It was was always like a, it was always like a double-edged sword for me was being in Japan because, as, and again, as I've probably talked about before, it was like the the whole parsley vibe over there were very different, you know. And we didn't have fucking time, and we were on planes and shit too much, so it wasn't like easy for me on that front. Um, right, right. Yeah, it wasn't so, convenient. <laughs> no, and it's it, you know legally as well, it's a bit it's a bit tighter over there in terms of how they approach it and stuff, and you can very quickly find yourself in some real hot water in that sense. And I have probably taken some silly risks um, in various parts of the world, to be honest, in that sense. I've got, <laughs> I've got a myriad of fucking stories about that and very, very near scrapes, but touch wood, I've always been clever enough and <laughs> quick enough to get out of whatever scrapes they may be. But yeah, it was, it, you know, it, it was always a double-edged sword in that sense. Uh, and my, like, my mood swings made things difficult back then sometimes. Um, it's weird though because it never really took away my enjoyment of it, but um, it, it, that was always something that kind of played a role. But it was, and especially knowing what I know now about myself with ADHD and bipolar or whatever, you know, it was, and not liking change or things that stress me out, like flying on planes and deadlines and right, you've got to be up at six in the morning because we're getting on that plane oh, yeah. and all yeah. that. You know, that just that's like kryptonite to me. Yeah, <laughs> that you, can you know, drain it, you for sure. Yeah, man, it just makes, you know, um, and that the thing with flying's got worse and worse. But yeah, it it, it often made things a bit tricky over there. Um, I mean, I had, a bit how- bre- I had a bit of a breakdown there once, to be fair, but I think we all did. I think separately mm. on different occasions, I think there were moments where we all sort of snapped a bit over there. Um, you know, it's, Probably exhaustion, maybe. Yeah, emotional, physical exhaustion, mm-hmm. being at the other side of the world, missing his families and... Um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, you're on this absolutely mad ride, um, and that was another thing that messed me up, especially in the very first time we went. Um, and I was with uh, Zoe, my girlfriend at the time, and it was one of those relationships where I, I couldn't go two minutes without talking to her or texting her. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the first time we were there, it was a nightmare. We phoned, do you know what I mean? Because I don't think they worked at all the first time we were there. I think I literally just used mine as a clock. I think it were only like the second or maybe even the third time we went where, you know, whatever had happened had happened that made it so that his fucking phone worked. But um, Yeah, that's about right. The cell t- technology changed. I remember my American phone in early days would never work overseas yeah. no matter where I was. And then eventually the cell towers were able to communicate on the same wavelengths, yeah, <laughs> the same yeah. technology. So. That's right. Yeah. But that was that was a massive deal for me. So, you know, arranging times where I could go to the hotel and ring her and, you know, the people I wanted to speak to. I found that I found that really difficult back then and i think for me as much as anything it was like having a foot back home you know i I, Mm, i've I've always needed that i've needed it more in some places more than others but definitely in japan because it's so far away and it's a a little bit difficult for me to do what i'd normally do do you know what i mean um i always needed one foot being at home and whether that was speaking to Zoe or Deg um, a myriad of times a day. Um, you know, I always used to leave my clock on UK time. I used to do that wherever we went, you know, for, uh, all, always on tour. I'd be like, what time is it? What time is it? Got to a point where I just, I could do the maths in my head uh, wherever mm. we were, uh, which some people listening to this will find absolutely fucking incredible. Namely, bloody Dave, <laughs> who I work with. You can't do maths in your head. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, I used to literally use me, leave me phone clock on a UK time so I'd know what everyone else were doing, I suppose, which is mental, really, when you think about it, isn't it? Like, why the hell me being in Japan with me band doing really well? Why did I, do you know what I mean? Why did I fight so hard to to have one foot back home? And it even got to the point where, this won't mean out to you, Pete, but yeah, there was a series called Alan Titchmarsh, uh, History of the British Isles. Um, that me and Deg actually used to love sitting down and binge watching before binge watching were even a thing. Do you know what I mean? We were doing that <laughs> back in the day, man. Like, and it, uh, the, the entire series of that. Um, and like, I, I used to take that to Japan and I used to watch it on a loop in hotel rooms. I used to have a portable DVD player on my laptop. Um, and I'd literally like, if I couldn't sleep or whenever, whenever I felt like I was sort of losing it or losing a grip, mm-hmm. I just lit. I put that on and just sit and watch that, and it just. I mean, it, even now, like um, if uh, the TV's on and it's advertised or summer because it is on some of these new channels, um, it's still shown. Like whenever that music starts, like I get that sort of that safe feeling. So interesting, yeah, yeah. man. Like, and I I needed that over there. Um, I don't know whether it was because I enjoyed watching that or was be- or because it was just like. It was just England. That's what it was. It was a documentary about sort of England through the ages, and it just probably com- more the fact that you experienced it with uh, with your with Dag, which essentially you know was a sense of grounding, and yeah. uh, it was something that you can tangibly uh, you know do while mm. you're away, which kind of kept kept you grounded. I think everybody has a little bit of that. Yeah, and I used to travel all over the world, and I used to carry this little uh, one of my daughter's toys, and it was like this little toy that was like a, a toy family. It was like, and it's so kind of resemble it kind of in my opinion it represented our family and yeah. i used to just put it on my desk when i travel just as a reminder of you know was, you know it, it helped me to think back at them all the time so i think people do things like that to even no matter where they are to to you know maybe as a a reminder of what home is yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think it's too strange 
No, man, and it's just like comfort food, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Comfort eating, comfort watching. Do you know what I mean? I think it's that. I think it's that same thing. And oh, I yeah. think I think you bang right. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a certain. I think there's an element of you know watching that in a, a really safe environment that I love, like you say, and then wanting to recreate that feeling elsewhere. Um, you know, there'll definitely be because I've I've always done that. Always done that. Do you know what I mean? You you have like a really great night somewhere under certain circumstances, and you're like, "Come on, man, let's 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 make that happen again." And it's weird because I think that's one one of the moments where like sobering reality, where you kind of you, re- you realize you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like just because mm-hmm. you know what I mean, everyone's sort of mentality and vibe or whatever just changes so much. You, you can't necessarily always recreate those moments, but I guess the, the the fact is is that they live on in your head forever, don't they? And that's why. Whenever I hear yeah. fucking the music for History of the British Isles, I always get that feeling. Um, Funny thing is, is we're actually doing that now. There are folks that are listening to Music and More podcast, and that's what grounds them. So, <laughs> well, yeah, and it grounds me bloody doing it. Do you know what I mean? I love, I, lo- I really enjoy doing it. And I was made aware, I think by Organize actually, um, Jenny Jordan, I was made aware that podcasts usually take breaks of some kind. Uh, for periods no one ever fucking told me that <laughs> jenny was just like bloody hell you know you, you, you don't even take a week off podcasts take a couple of weeks <laughs> off every now and again to be fair like all right we'll take a break then well, <laughs> i think in the 34 weeks we've been doing this i think we've had two weeks off i think it was over christmas and new year yeah 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 there was two weeks but i think other than that man since we started we've we've had a conversation a week um and let's face it, in between that, we've had a, a million others that we could have turned into to podcast episodes. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, there's you, you can't give Japan credit by just sort of touching on it in one episode. But yeah, I think th- th- it's just one of the best places to tour. Um, and it, the thing is, as well, is you get to spend more time with all your crew and stuff because they're just so efficient over there in terms of how they run gigs and stuff and shows that a lot of the time our crew are just, you know, they've got as much bloody free time as we have because they throw, they throw the stage up in two seconds. Do you know what I mean? And it's all ready to go. And as a result of which you, you end up having some of the, the best nights out of your life. Do you know what I mean? With, because usually the, the crew miss out on that sort of shit because they're doing loadings and stuff and looking after gear, making sure this happens and that happens. But it's, it's one place where everyone gets to sort of, uh, you know, other than the fact that you're on a schedule, everyone gets to kick back and you just you just point and you, people point and tell you where to go and we just go. And that includes Tim. Do you know what I mean? Tim would be out with us and um, and Graham as well. Whatever tour manager we had at the time, their job would be a lot less intense because so, so many things would be taken care of already. Yeah. Yeah. Just such- How big was the crew? Like total, you guys fought you four, Tim and them, and then, well, it, but how how big was your your crew of it people? Depend, it depends, really. It depends sort of at our biggest, um, which I suppose will have been that first, the first really big UK tour where we were doing the the Brixtons and the uh, um, Blackpool and stuff like that. You know, we had. Well, we had, you know, you had drum tech, you'd have a bass tech, sound guy, light guy, monitor engineer, tour manager, and then you'd have catering and merch. So, you know, you can end up with quite a quite a big entourage of people. Uh, that, you know, that scale back depending where you are and what you're doing, obviously, because it, it you know, it costs a ton of money to tour. It, it, and especially oh, yeah. when you're you accommodating that many people. Um, but yeah, certainly at our height, we, we had a lot of people involved, man. Yeah, fucking catering and a lot. Like I said, much to Teg's fucking um, being blown away by when he came out with his <laughs> man. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I've read this somewhere. I'm not really sure, but I definitely wanted to ask you. And now that we're talking Japan, that makes sense. But the strength in numbers, the I think I, I think it says it on the on the actual disc cover that the photo had something to do with Japan. Was that taken by in Japan, or was that inspired by Japan? I know there's some relevance of that strength in numbers image to Japan. What is that? Uh, well, it was actually Rob and Nick Carter. Uh, again, as I've said before, they did the first record. Then we went elsewhere for the second record, but. Yeah, but we wanted to get them involved in the third record, and yeah, they'd done a series of pictures when they were in Japan and taken some really cool ones, and um, mm. you know, it kind of it worked out well for us in terms of that third album going back to working with them and getting some really cool imagery again. I mean, it, it wasn't as iconic as the first record, but it's still uh, a really amazing piece of art, and it, obviously, it means a lot to us it being Japan as well, because obviously. It, it is a really special place for us, and ah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's got huge significance for us in that sense, um, and it'd be great to it'd be great to go back again one day. I don't, you know, I don't know how realistic that is in terms of the music and stuff like that, but you know, people certainly love us out there, and it'd be great to go back. But I'd have to sail there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how long that yeah. I'd actually take. <laughs> Man, if you guys went back to Japan, I don't know. I might have to, <laughs> I might have to figure out a way to see that. Yeah, I think there's quite there's quite a few people that wish they'd sort of done that and come out to see us in Japan. But it is it's an expensive place to be as well. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's why I say again, we were so lucky because every every all our stuff was taken care of by Smash. Um, but it wasn't a problem back then because we were shifting so many tickets and stuff like that, so they weren't bothered, man. We, you know, we got, like I say, we got we got proper looked after, proper looked after, man. Yeah, yeah. My breakfast was not Western when I was there. They they gave me just the rice and the noodles. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it, like I say, it would be good to get more people on with experience of Japan and uh, relive that because I, I love that sort of stuff and oh, yeah. uh, I realised it even more when, when Lee was on just then. But yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode, Pete. Unless there's anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, I mean, well, one, I ju- I'm super glad that you guys actually had that opportunity to go there so young and to, you know, like you said, you guys were creating and not having any awareness that it was in- inspiring other people. Yeah. I think it's really cool that you guys got to go there and see firsthand Absolutely. That, it was, that it was actually, you were actually inspiring. So really cool that you guys had that experience. The other thing, which is, uh, I know it's coming up soon, not related to Japan, but definitely something I've been meaning to ask you is, I know the the Tim's Twitter listening party's coming up for the second album welcome to the north definitely looking forward to that so uh we had talked about having the the lads come on and and, and do another listening party of our own mm-hmm. as we did on the on the first album so uh what do you think about timing for that should we do that at, like a little after we the the listening party any thoughts yeah well i mean i think that's what i thought i, I kind of thought we'd do it after the twitter one like we did with the first one really um yeah, yeah. although if there's no reason we can't kind of do it bef- we can't do it before um uh i'm not sure man but yeah i was really pleased that um that tim's doing that um you know obviously the doing oh, yeah. the first doing the first one was great and it'd be good to do the second one with a little bit more twitter experience under my belt so i can actually <laughs> do it properly this time rather than just putting out test and stuff test like that. <laughs> um 
Oh, that's funny. But yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, we've got next week. Is it? We've got uh, Baz from the Fratellis. I think next week, or is that the week after? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'll get some more guests lined up as well. And there's always stuff me and Pete can chat about. But I think that'll do it for now. So yeah, I hope everyone is keeping well as usual. And thank you very much for listening. <laughs>